A poor soul of noble origins, a squire tested in battle, a knight-errant forged in Camelot, a man strengthened by love. Join Adam as Sir Gulliston and Craig as the Game Master in Blood and Lust, a King Arthur Pendragon duet game of chivalry and mythic adventure. Let us win glory for our king, who will reward us with honors and lands, and the devil take the hindmost. All right, in the uh, in the time that you've been at uh, Lily Stream with the queen and her entourage, you've you delayed your departure for Stoneley for a bit because you don't necessarily want to you don't necessarily want to leave with you know the queen there, but uh, she seems to be making herself quite comfortable here, and you know the the scuttlebutt is that um, some. Some things, as far as romance um, goes, like the the modern notion of it, have been uh, updated since um, you've been out. Um, you certainly missed quite a bit of it, you know, being dead for a few months. So I, I pushed you a handout, and the uh, the new canon of romance kind of took effect uh, the previous year, and you're you're learning more of the subtleties which have become fashionable. So what I would like to do is kind of go through these and, you know, uh, get uh, Golson's take on them. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I kind of, like, picture somebody just just being like, well, I mean, haven't you heard? There's 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 different views on these things now. And, like, somebody explaining, explaining it to him and, and hearing his responses or something. But yeah, um, I think it like, it would be news to him and there's definitely some that he agrees with and some. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's appropriate that, um, you know, since the Queens here, you, you've, you've attracted even more, um, even more visitors, like um, people come showing up late in the trail parties and, and such. And like, Moths to a flame at night. They've been gathering around Lily Stream. Um, it's probably costing you a little bit to, right at this point to host this many people. Um, I'm I'm less concerned about that, but uh, like, what I think I think you're having a sit down a conversation with some of your fellow um, Queens Knights about this, and I, I think Lancelot um, is there and is kind of explaining. You, you know. Uh, I, I heard you had some answers for our queen, but they're a little outdated. So let's just kind of like review the rules a little bit. Of course. So um, let's see, let, let's just go through the, the, the new canon. So number one, um, the marriage is no real excuse for not loving. And pipe up, um, Adam, if uh, you think Golston has any strong feelings towards any of these. Uh, he who is not jealous cannot love. No one can be bound by a double love. It is well known that love is always increasing or decreasing. It's never plateauing, basically. That that which a lover takes against the will of his beloved has no relish. Boys do not love until they reach the age of maturity. When one lover dies, the widowhood of two years is required of the survivor. No one should be deprived of love without the very best of reasons. No one can love unless he is propelled by the persuasion of love. Love is always a stranger in the home of 
avarice. It is not proper to love any woman whom one would be ashamed to seek to marry. A true love does not desire to embrace in love anyone except his beloved. When made public, love rarely endures. The easy attainment of love makes it of little value. The difficulty of attaining makes it prized. Every lower regular Every lover regularly turns pale in the presence of his beloved. When a lover suddenly catches sight of his beloved, his heart palpitates. A new love puts an old love to flight. Good character alone makes any man worthy of love. If love diminishes, it quickly fails and rarely revives. A man in love is always apprehensive. Real jealousy always increases the feeling of love. Jealousy increases when one suspects his beloved. He whom the thought of love vexes eats and sleeps very little. Every act of a lover ends in the thought of his beloved. A true lover considers nothing good except what he thinks will please his beloved. A love can deny nothing to love. A lover can never have enough of the solaces of his beloved. A sight a slight presumption causes a lover to suspect his beloved. A man who is vexed by too much passion usually does not love. A true lover is constantly and without intermission possessed by the thoughts of his beloved. Nothing forbids one woman being loved by two men or one man by two women. So, any of those sticking out to Sir Golston? The stuff about jealousy, I mean, he's not like disputing it. He's more just like, but wait, I thought I was supposed to not be jealous. And, uh, you know, it, it's just like it, it, he's kind of just like taking it in. It's, it's going on to explain that, like, it's jealousy is like a, a almost like an integral part of romance. And just like even complicated negative feelings are a part of romance. And like that's kind of a little bit heady for Goliston, but he tries to absorb that as well as he can. And he thinks to himself, it's good that um, somebody has formalized rules to this sort of thing so that it can be like studied and observed because like, even if it's things that he's not really sure if he's on board with or how to be on board with this, this is his, his doctrine. And this is like what he can seek to follow. So he's just like, you know, when um, when Lancelot is, is kind of just like, you know, real jealousy always increases the feeling of love. And Goldston is like, but but wait, jealousy bad. And, uh, you know, but it's just like he's kind of just like, yeah, he's trying to he's trying to learn the canon of romance. Um, so it's like a tightrope. You're, you're trying to yeah, walk. exactly. And it's like a. It's like some of the things are not what he would have presumed, but he's not like, um, I don't think he's in hard defiance of any of them. I think maybe he's certainly lived at odds with, with like one or two of them and probably doesn't even realize it, but uh, it's, it's something that's like changed over time. It's the new, it's the new canon for this thing. So he doesn't really feel any shame for how he's previously acted, but he's just like, wow, looks like there was a lot I didn't know. What about uh, 13 and 14, when made public, love rarely endures. You basically shouted your love for Avielli for all he hear and just basically screamed it to the queen. 
Yeah, and uh, but like, I feel like there's some other ones that kind of say that like a love that comes easy is no love at all, and you know, I don't know. I feel like some of these maybe reinforce each other. Love can deny nothing to love, you know. So the fact that you have attained love doesn't make it any less valuable to Goldston. It was not easy to attain love. In fact, um, you're you're still doing tasks, Raviel. Even yeah, after you... it's. I mean, I think if anything, that one is like one that he agrees with. Like it's a it's a battle. You you have to fight other men. You have to do all kinds of crazy shit. It's a it's like it's it's not like particularly easy. But then that kind of makes him think like his tryst was not like romantic love, you know, because that wasn't that wasn't really like, I don't know. That was just something probably more easily obtained and and shortly lived. But the real like the real the real romantic love is the one you have to work for. Does Golston feel that his love is increasing or decreasing? Of course, increasing. Do you think there is a level that it would have to start decreasing? No, he thinks it's just going to increase forever. All right. So you're 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 debating you're debating the finer points of love with Lancelot, who you know is widely considered um, an expert in all these things. Um, at some point, uh, Sergei Harris shows up and like is um, like he received your letter. He's almost surprised to see the turnout that he's now kind of going to be responsible for. Yeah. Um, I imagine when he, when he kind of gets settled a little bit, I'm standing next to him and I, I pat him on the back and I'm kind of just like, well, this is yours to take care of. And you understand Gaharis. This is, this is the queen's land. You know, and he's kind of just like, like, I don't know, kind of subtly being like, this, this is your po- problem for right now. Um, and, uh, but yeah, he's like more so teasing. Um, he does wish him well, like in a genuine way. And uh, he kind of says like, write me if you need anything. And, um, you know, what's mine is yours, of course. Uh, and may this land be be good to you. Yeah, basically hand over the key to the war chest yeah yeah so it's uh, it's a lot of trust because i'm not sure how much uh is on of wealth is on your character sheet but yeah i give him i give him uh, the full reign i just say you know don't disappoint me all right and you know as you are you know finally again about um about to depart for stonelay you you see that uh now that you've given up um, your responsibility as host over Geharis, um and Lancelot lets you know in no uncertain terms is the queen ready to leave, but recognizes you do have duties to your love, um, he then produces a letter for you. What? Uh, okay. All right. What type of like? What type of letter is this? It looks quite official, actually. Um, there's a bunch of seals on it, and you definitely see the the three crowns of the the Pendragon, and you you could tell that Lancelot is kind of nervous about um, handing this over to you, almost like he waited until 
your responsibilities as a host were complete in order to do this? Is this like intended for me to open or is this like intended for me to give to somebody else? Uh, I was instructed to um, to deliver, deliver this unto you by our Lord and King Arthur. It is a matter of great legal importance. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, I open it up and I call somebody over to read it to me. Who's who you call? Who are you going to call? Okay. So who's smart and trustworthy? Uh, Yeah. What about the, the, the priest? um, Your brother, brother Griffey. Yeah. He knows how to read. Yeah. I'm going to ask Griffey to, to read it for me. So you kind of like, um, repair into like this, like, more private spot to kind of go over it because like the queen kind of took your room and uh, your next best room was kind of given to um, Lancelot. And then, and then Gaharis is kind of like, has like your third best room at this point. So you're basically like in the hall, you're basically sleeping on a table in your own hall at this point. So like, it's, it's filling up rather quickly, but um uh, you, you find like a quiet corner to kind of go through it, and um, Sir Griffey, I'll make sure um, you watch as he breaks the seals and he quickly scans it and basically summarizes that there is a there is a court summons, um, and you are formally being charged with murder. Um, uh, the the term is actually regicide. Suppose it does make sense, though. Um... Yeah, okay. He assures Griffey that uh, while this may be technically true, it is all a misunderstanding, and uh, I'll have to be out to get this sorted at once. So do you wish to accept the summons, um, brother? Uh, Indeed, I will have to. So there's a lot of talk in this about the... The wars between um, Gomrit and some of the Cambrian lands um, that has been building for quite some time goes on about uh, the instability created in the region. Uh, all this, it doesn't use the term power vacuum because that's anachronistic, but basically says um, puts the blame solely on you for all this. And uh, you, you're being charged by someone named King Marion of Marionid, um, who has actually asked uh, the good King Arthur to arbitrate the case, as he is the um, he is the High King at this point. Do you have any questions? Uh, I mean, what what is Arthurian law kind of looking like here? Am I going to plead my case? Am I? Uh turning myself in to be executed like is this a do you have the law skill no no uh brother griffey um suggests that you hire a lawyer um after all you are you've never been known as a great orator uh a, as your confessor i can give you some advice uh you could flee the realm and possibly live um, however, that would basically make you um, an outcast, and if you were known to have fled, um, fled from the law, you probably wouldn't be welcome here again. 
or you could face the charges and deal with them. Uh, regicide is a pretty big deal. And uh, he notes that it is interesting to uh, see that one of your um, accusers, not the, quite the um, word, but one of the corroborators of this evidence is none other than Sir Farron of Engelher. Okay. So... Goliston's thinking it's not really a possibility for him to flee the realm. Uh, He can't be a good steward to his his now son, and he can't be uh, the love in Avielli's life if he's an outlaw criminal. And, um, you know, that's just not really a life he wants to live. So he's He's going to try to face the charges um, as honorably as he can. He's going to try to get a lawyer, I guess, because uh, somebody else can, basically anybody else could probably talk his side better than he can. And um, I think he's just going to explain his situation. And, uh, but also maybe... Maybe he can reach Farron beforehand and, and try to convince him to not, I don't know, so, try to convince him. Um, a point of order is that Huntington is uh, far east from here. You're being summoned, actually, to uh, Cumbria near Cardiff, which is in the opposite direction. You would not have time to go all the way to Huntington and still make the summons. Okay, and- yeah. Um, Brother Griffey, um, um, some notes that, and Arius, um, Mirko, your steward kind of corroborates this. Uh, missing a summons is basically an omission of guilt. Yeah, so you'll just do whatever it takes to make to meet that summons, make it on time, and just whatever happens, happens. All right, so what is your plan? We could travel by line if you like, but um, is there anything that Sir Golston wants to do before showing up in Cumbria? Um, definitely get some kind of legal retainer or whatever and try to go over it with him. He, he was uh, like, he was, I don't know, he was on a quest and this is just how it, how it happened. And, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, in real life, I'm not really good at explaining it either, but he wants to try to get across that, that yes, uh, he's not going to deny regicide it's gonna plead guilty i guess if that was the case but um maybe just try to explain that like the guy that he killed was a real piece of shit and like definitely like he did the right thing by by doing this and and really did he have a another choice like i i think no all right so you um you, you write some letters and um various writers are sent off and your convoy is basically pivoted to head west now instead of to Stonelay, which you probably would much rather be heading towards. And you travel by line. You're making a pretty slow progress um, at this point because you're trying to give it time for your your runners to get out and um, alert any, like, show up in town for any lawyers and, like, try to, like, get some on retainer. Uh, how much do you want to spend on a lawyer? So for, um, just for 
um, some measure. Uh, you could pay one Libra to just get a lawyer, um, but you can also uh, hire um, someone like Skill 16 for two um, Libra and uh, Skill 20 plus for uh, four. And is that for for them to see me through this whole hearing or is that that's for for them to plead the case and uh, cite law and basically make it so you just need to appear and state your name for the record and not have to use your or roles um i would get the not like the expert one not the lowest tier one the middle tier one so 16 one two libra yeah um and uh how much would you like to spend in bribes and gifts for the judge this is totally an expected thing at this point. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think I would definitely be able to spare like another, like I want to say like three lira on bribes and stuff. All right. I'm going to make a roll for the judge to see if this has swayed him at all, because this would show up before you. Okay. I made the, I made rolls for the judge. Um, so make sure you mark off your money. Uh, you arrive at some point at the uh, basically uh, what um, you actually arrive at the castle of the crane for this because it is a secure and friendly territory in the otherwise chaotic regions of Gomerit and Cumbria and Cambria because this is like a pretty much a border town. So um, you're you're met again by King Garan, who is has nothing but good things to say about you, and basically says, "Hey, if you need a character witness, I'm your guy." And um, he's the he's the guy who I gave this the sword to, right? Correct. Yeah, I I think I think now is the time I'm going to need to call in that favor, friend. <laughs> yeah. So you're kind of like waiting for like the rest of the court to arrive here and you got probably a couple of weeks there because you went pretty much right there and you you were made pretty comfortable in one of the towers of the castle of the crane um like at, at random odd hours you'll just hear the of the crane as like enemy knights are spotted in the distance but uh like you, you're never attacked while you're there because the crane is pretty vigilant. Um, but it is quite alarming to be a guest there when this thing is constantly shouting all the time. Um, how's how's Ghostin feeling? Are you nervous at all? Like, what's what's your plan? Uh, yeah, he's insanely nervous. He feels like everything, uh, his his future with his love, um his future as a knight, his getting to see Baldrick, you know, grow into a great knight, getting to see his son grow up. Like all this stuff is just kind of like hanging in the balance of this right now. And he's hoping that um, he's hoping that the judge will see that while regicide was, you know, it's like, it's factually accurate. Um, he he disposed of a of a cruel leader and um returned a uh returned a significant item to its proper owner 
And like, uh, you know, he was only doing what he thought was right. And that's basically what he's going to try to get. So do, you, do you tell the truth to your lawyer? Yes. Yeah. I, Cause I don't know. Basically like uh, I feel like whatever the lawyer knows can only help me, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. He's going to just try to spill the beans completely as factually as he can. He's not a very good liar and doesn't like lying. So he's just going to, yeah. All right. I'm going to make a couple rolls for him. All right. So I made a couple rolls for him just so we could just kind of go through this. And you are led in to the main chamber of the Castle of the Crane. At this point, several large uh, thrones have been set up on the uh, large dais, um, and they're set alongside uh, King Garan's um, uh, fairly regal throne. But um, you see, um, um, he is kind of like the host, but um, there is also a... You know, a, a simple wooden chair set up, sat up there, and which um, is seated, uh, uh, your lord and liege, uh, King Arthur, and another, you know, finely ornated throne up there, on the other side of King Garan, uh, which is sat this guy who, you know, he's he's dressed pretty fancy. You've never seen him before. You you could probably, you could probably assume that he is uh, King uh, Mirian. Whoever that is, um, he has a. Uh, let's see, yeah, he he has people kind of fawning all um over him and like making sure that he's good and everything. King Arthur seems pretty chill about the whole thing. King Garen has like you know his normal retainers who you've gotten to know pretty well. So, uh, your lawyer explains that it's pretty much um his and your job to win over this like pseudo tribunal. So uh, your lawyer plans to basically um, make a few arguments. Uh, one that uh, it cannot be registi- registered because um, King Caldwallader um, was not acting as a true and rightful king. Um, so therefore, regicide could not apply. Um, if anything, it would be uh, manslaughter or self-defense. He's also going to take into the account of your um, self-defense clause and the fact that uh, you were not knowingly trying to bring the land into chaos and could not have possibly foreseen um, any events, events that probably would have happened anyways. Uh, Takes um, into the account that that there were already um, Knights of Gomerant already out there raiding and he's also going to um uh take into the account that uh um yeah basically the hospitality clause too that uh um the law would demand that you um not only just not die but also fight back against any hospitality as your um right as a knight yeah and Goldston is like very uh very impressed that uh that the man is able to put together such a compelling case for him so he's like yes he made a bunch of rolls so he was able to figure all that out so basically you're called in and 
ask to stand and provide your name to the record um, and enter your plea yourself, unless you want the lawyer to do it for you. The lawyer um, um, recommends that you plead um, not guilty on all charges because none of the charges are applying. That's why I was rolling earlier to see which uh, he could actually convincingly think about. Yeah, and I'm going to uh, follow his follow his advice. Plead not guilty to anything. So um, King Arthur stands, at which point um, everyone else stands, even the two other kids, um, kings up on the dais, um, and says, uh, we are gathered here to um, witness the testimony of one Sir Goliston of Lilystream, um, Queen's Knight and faithful servant to myself. Uh, I was asked to preside over this um, for multiple reasons, uh, chiefly being the um, close relationship of the accuser, as uh, it is King um, Marion's lands. He does have all dominion here, but has reached out to me to um, give this hearing. Do you accept um, any ruling that I make, Sir Goliston, to be final? And uh, he uh, formally, like, agrees. All right. Um, Is it true, then, that upon these halls of the castle of the kite, that you did, in fact, slay King Cadwallader? I did only in self-defense. Can you explain, then, the circumstances, Sir Goliston, in which you had to defend yourself? I was... I was in the castle as, I suppose you could say, a guest, but I was treated more like a prisoner. And then, uh, during a, the chaotic night that I spent there, um, I was attacked by this self-proclaimed king, and I had to fight for my life. Can you explain the circumstances uh, that would lead up to the King Cadwallader to attack you? Did you provoke the king? I truly believe the king was mad. Uh, Do you have any evidence to support your claim of madness for the king? Because even madmen are um, spared under the law. Oh, we should have called Pig Boy to the stand. Fuck. Yeah. I'm going to tell him about Pig Boy. I mean, I don't have him here, but I'm going to say, and and this is his name. And if you want to go find him, he's, uh, this is where he's at. But, uh, you know, I was basically kept in the pig cages next to his, next to his, his own heir, fed rock soup, and just treated like a absolute prisoner. And then there was some sort of chaos that happened during the during the feasting, and I, I sought safety in in the closest room I could find. And then I was attacked by the king, and I had to fight for my life. Would any other be able to corroborate the story? I'm going to say that, uh, ask if we can, if we can summon pig boy here. I mean, it'll surely, it might drag these proceedings on a little bit longer, but perhaps it's important. Um, there's some whispering amongst the three Kings, um, as they stand and then, uh, 
King um, Marion of Marinid um, turns to you and says, There is none but a pig boy here anymore, but I, King Marion of Marinid, hereby can attest that everything that Sir Golston says is true of that night. And he sits down. So, wait, so what, can you, can you explain that last part to me? I'm kind of like, what the fuck just happened? So Adam's brain is like Sir Golston's earlier trying to put together the plot elements from months yeah. ago. And basically a man who looked and sounded a lot like a very much dressed up and crowned pig boy spoke up in pig boy's voice and said that everything he said was true. But isn't that the person who's like, uh, I thought it was King uh, King M who was uh, coming after me, trying to get me on regicide. Uh, you've been accused of regicide. Um, there's been formal charges. Um, however, can you make me an intrigue roll at this point? Yeah. Golston just says, uh, I rest my case. Um, okay. Intrigue. Got to get under a 10. Come on. I got an 18. That's a fail. You have no idea what kind of legal loopholes that is going on where possibly some like this King Marianan is both accusing and supporting you. That doesn't make any sense. Perhaps this yeah. is why you hired a lawyer. I look to the lawyer and uh, you, see, you can see in Sir Golliston's face just this complete panic, just like, um, what, what do I do? <laughs> And you see the lawyer kind of going through papers frantically, like he opens up this book looking at laws and like, he's kind of like, looks at you and he's like, he's corroborating your story. I guess go with it. I rest my case. Is it true that Sir Golston, King Arthur continues, that you admitted to uh, Sir Farron that you had killed King Cadwallader? Uh, Indeed. I told him the tale of my my survival in that ordeal. So you have admitted to killing this man, regardless of reason or not. You have indeed killed him. Yes. All right. Do you have anything else to add to your case before we dispute? Um, I ask I I ask you, my lord, that you please. Consider the the good deeds I've done in this in this lifetime as well, and uh, the good contributions I've made. Um, whether or not this is regicide, I think we can all agree it's a matter of opinion. Was he a king? Was he a self-proclaimed uh, illegitimate ruler? Um, I I think it's the latter. I think you'll all agree it's the latter. Um, but, uh, just want to just thank, thank, uh, thank you, your honor. Thank the jury. Um, and just, uh, please give, please, uh, consider giving me a chance. All right. Would you like to roll orate or courtesy? Oh God. Yes. Which one? Courtesy, please. Okay. Yeah. You're just basically trying to be like respectful at this point, not to add anything else. Okay. Thank God I passed. That is an eight on a 12. All right, Chad. Check your courtesy if you haven't already. Um, yeah, the 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 three kings um, stand. Everyone else stands. Uh, Arthur nods. Um, uh, the artist formerly known as Pigboy, a.k.a. Um, King Marion, is kind of like 
like looking implacable at this time. And like King Grand's kind of like smiling at you, giving you thumbs up and finger guns. And they turn into part and go behind um, a curtain into the antechamber to talk for a while. Um, your lawyer is kind of looking at you and it's kind of like, oh, well, I'm going to thank him. I think he did a pretty good job. Uh, and I think the rest is just in 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 the hands of three kings. So um, you're not left late waiting too long. Um, you almost had the um, the thoughts that their minds had been made up before this trial even started. Um, how is Goldston feeling about all this? Sweating bullets. Uh, he feels like he's going to be brought outside and have his head cut off. Or he's going to be pardoned. Uh, he just really doesn't know. Uh, he's just, you know, very nervous. If anybody goes to talk to him, he'll be very startled. Um, like he didn't hear them coming or something like that. He's just like lost in his own thoughts and worry. So um, King Arthur um, stands and he's acting as his own justicar in this matter because he's notably just and your gift of three Libra earlier did nothing to um, dissuade his just score of 27 versus zero arbitrary, just so you know. But um, he reads, uh, let the record show that um, Sir Goldston did indeed kill King Cadwallader. Um, by his own omission, uh, it is believed that uh, King Cadwallader was indeed mad, as um, corroborated by King Garan, and he's kind of like, yeah. Um, however, my laws um, dictate that uh, madman cannot be executed for their crimes, for they are touched by God, and who are we to know his greater plan for them? So, basically, um, it is come down from regicide down to manslaughter at this point. Um, a lot of legal speak that I'm just going to breeze through. Um, being the king of these lands, punishment would then fall to um, the king Marinid to deliver. And King um, Arthur says that uh, as removed from the uh, decision as he could be, um, he abstains from voting. Um, King Garen says that he votes in your favor. And um, King Marinid says that he votes that you did indeed kill King Cadwallader, however, um, suspends all punishment, but does ask a boon of you. Of course, I'm in your debt. Uh, let it be shown that uh, time has already been served and all punishments have been received by Sir Golston. And basically, they do the double jeopardy law on this, where you can't be charged with this again because it was a court of three kings making the decision. Um, but uh, basically, uh, uh, King Marionid uh, charges you with being his best man at his wedding. Wow, what an amazing outcome. Holy shit. Yeah, uh, he's he's really, like, nervous. Um, and he's like, you know, he's like, uh, of course you spared me anything you want. And then when he asks that, he's just like, uh, you, my friend, you could have just asked. <laughs> and he's kind of just, like, wiping the, uh, wiping the, uh, the sweat and uh, tears of relief from his face. And he, uh, I think he gives him a big hug. 
and just like it would be an honor. Yeah, but like the lawyers quickly like like shoot 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 get out of here get out of here and like any legal proceedings are then like wiped away, um, and they immediately start um, setting up for a party. Almost like they just wanted to get this over with, um, so no one could challenge your word. Um, and it's kind of explained to you, you in that way, but your heads, your head and heart are probably going in a hundred different places. Um, and like uh, um, the castle of the crane is kind of being like redecorated, showing like the colors of all three of the kings. You got like Arthur's uh, tri crown, you got King Grand's. Um, uh, red colors, and you got um, these uh, shields showing a um, the heraldry of King Marinid, um a crown bore rampant on a red field, which is only fitting. Um, that is pretty good. Yeah. So, um, it, it's it's stated that um, Sir Farron was too ill and feeble to travel himself. Hence why he's not here, but uh, um, Arthur takes the place of her father as um, the, the Lady Anne and the king, formerly known as Pig Boy, are wed as you stand beside him during the ceremony. Uh, Bishop Baldwin is there himself to preside over it, and a good time is had by all. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, Golston's so happy to be part of Pig Boy's wedding. It's like... Uh... Wow. Uh, yeah. He, he like, um, as like the, as the proceedings are happening, he, uh, he like kind of leans over and, and gives pig boy like a, a, a thumbs up. King Marion. King Marion. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he doesn't obviously doesn't call him that, but yeah, he, uh, he gives King Marion a, a thumbs up privately. He'll tell him, uh, I'm very happy you found love. King Marion, it's the best gift of all. Oh, but it is only through my own trials and trials and turbulent times and my own service that I come to know love through my own heart rather than by arrangement. And I thank you for your small part that you played in this. It was uh, Sir Lancelot who was telling me the other day that, uh, you know, love never comes easy and uh, the good ones are worth fighting for. Uh, etc etc yeah and the the party goes on for many days because it is um a um it it is a regal feast and wedding um despite it being here like there's sort of like a truce called in the wars and even some of the um, knights of gomrit are allowed to come in and celebrate um per chivalric customs um even allowed to keep their swords despite having um like taken up arms against um Arthur is kind of like kind of being a neutral party in all this stuff, but he did um formally send his own bastard son um Sir Bor to lead his forces here, so like Sir Bor is there as well, but uh you know it's a very well attended um um feast and wedding um you know, like much of the round table is there, um, including uh, your mentor, Sir Gregor, um, Sir Kay, the Seneschal, that's uh, Arthur's foster brothers there. Um, I mean, honestly, the only one notably absent is uh, Lancelot and Gawain, and of course, Sir Gaharis. 
Yeah, that's awesome. It's like a great turnout and a great party. And uh, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's a bit interesting that he thought this would be like his funeral or something like that. And instead, it's like a, a celebration of love and like almost like unexpected love, I would say. And it's like uh, he really kind of like thinks that's like quite beautiful. And Sir Kay is kind of like, stuck doing all most of this planning so he's like the only grumpy one during everything because like he was told together to throw together a regicide trial um a wedding and a giant hunting trip all in the same week so like he's the only one who's bound and determined not to have a good time during all this there's always someone uh so at some point um you're you're talking with uh king arthur and you I'm not we're not gonna do like a formal feast or anything because it's just we, we've done that quite a few times already. We know it's like um safe to say that it's one of the more extravagant extravagant feasts um that you ever had, close to Pentecost and Camelot. But uh basically you will you're listening to uh, Arthur and Sir Gregor talking and that King Arthur um actually let's yeah okay uh he made his just role um he's actually offhandedly remarking to sir gregor like hey why haven't you uh formally vassalized uh that um golston guy i keep hearing his name lately does golston have any thoughts on what this could mean i mean golston would definitely try to act like he didn't hear it or something but um, yeah, he's just like kind of listening. See, hear what yeah. Sir Gregor has to say about it. Oh yeah, and like Sir Gregor agrees. Yeah, it's it's only fitting that uh, the Castellan uh, of Blue Stream should have his own men. So, in the in the next few days, you are there's like a little ceremony, but you're kind of given this uh, um, pennant version of your heraldry. So you do have a like a battle standard. For battle and you know it's like the the black and yellow um with the interchanged hearts but it's like cut like a like a pennant um you know sort of like a like a like a sports pennant nowadays with like like one cut in it almost like a guide on and affixed to a pole and it's kind of like presented to you and then uh you kind of like put it on a little pole and hand it to our coal to kind of be like your standard carrier until you can get like someone to formally carry it for you, but yeah, awesome. um, uh, needless to say that um, you know, like letters from Lily Stream do reach out here, and um, King Arthur says that he has received one from his beloved queen talking about the good work that um, uh, you have done in Lily Stream, and one thing lacking is more men, so you're given the funds to basically hire some more men at arms and actually make a complete garrison out there. So I'm going to kind of um, do a, like a house rule in the paladin system, which is very close. They have like some attitudes, um, but in like the new edition of Pendragon that come out, there's this new passion called station. So I'm going to have you actually generate a new passion um, coming up. Um, how does, Golston 
feel about like nightly stations and how does like do you feel like you're above commoners um much like how how much do you buy into like nights being set apart from other people basically um because that, that is that is what happened is happening as a vassal knight you are set apart from most other knights i think that early on in his life and early on when he was like a lower status knight he tried not to really pay too close attention to like status and stuff and kind of thought that this hierarchy was like important but most maybe mostly arbitrary uh, but now he he like um being kind of like indoctrinated into this system and moving up in it and like reaping the the benefits and the rewards of of moving up in it he fully believes in this system and he thinks that this is the way it is for a reason and um you know like this is kind of like the way it is and like he always thinks back to the bees, like, you know, the bees follow the queen. Like, these are just like one of the, it's one of the patterns, like, of life, you know? And like, um, this sort of society where we have like the lower, the higher, and and further distinguished based on greatness is like, this is like how, this is like how the world actually works. Is like, we have people that are, you know, the, we have the common and then we have the great and then we have like the great great and it's like and that's just this is like it is real yeah absolutely so sir Gullison's drunk the kool-aid for yep at this point for feudalism all right so absolutely. well in that case let's let's have a 3d6 plus two for uh, determining your station passion and it also kind of works like the attitudes like there's a concerned commoners um, attitude in Paladin, but we're just going to play around with this. Okay, so total of thirteen. All right, so yeah, generate a new passion um, called Station. Okay. All right, so I mean, honestly, the only thing left to do after all this is to go on a massive hunting trip and basically devastate the deer top- population of England. So that's what's on the docket um, next for Sir K. So I think we'll take our next break here. Want to find out more about the story? Join our Discord channel. The link is in the description.